Hi, Dr. Alexander. How are you? I'm good. Hey, how are you doing, Ilse? I'm doing well. Thank you. Welcome to episode 19 of the Chalk Dust Podcast, where teachers talk about their experiences in the classroom. Because once the dust settles, every teacher has a story to tell. This is Kirby Alexander, your host. And today, I'm talking with Ilse Espino Ortega, a middle school math teacher in Fort Worth, Texas. I met Ilse in the spring 2016 semester when she took my introductory education class. At the time, Ilse was exploring education as a major, and I'm so glad she decided to choose teaching as her career. She holds a bachelor's degree in middle school math education and a master's in math education. She is an incredible teacher, and we can learn so much from her about teaching and working with young people. I can't wait to get this conversation started. Well, thank you so much for taking some time to visit with me today. I've just have been really um, excited to get to catch up and talk with you about uh, your teaching career, what you've been up to over the last few years since you left the College of Education. Um, and I know you're really busy, uh, so I really appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to talk to me. No, well, thank you so much for having me. I think this is such a cool thing that you're doing with the podcast. Oh, well, thank you so much. So, you know, let's go ahead and just jump on in. And uh, first of all, just uh, give me some background on what you've been up to since you left the College of Education. You know, uh, where are you teaching? What do you teach? What grade? How long have you been teaching? You know, all that kind of stuff. So I, so first of all, I graduated from TCU in what, 2018 with my bachelor's okay. Then I got my master's right after I did the one year okay. master's program in 2019, I graduated again. Um, and then I started working at a middle school, um, after that. And so right before the pandemic started, so I've seen okay. the entire pandemic play out in education, basically. <laughs> yep. Um, I've been teaching sixth, seventh and eighth grade. Uh, sixth, seventh is honors, and then uh, eighth grade is for pre-algebra, so I teach math. Okay. Um, and that's basically all I've been doing this whole time, and I've been, like you said, very busy, especially with the pandemic yeah, that yeah. has been going on for who knows how long now. I <laughs> I've know. lost count. Two years or um, more. But yeah. All right. Well, that's great. And, you know, I ask you all those questions just, you know, for people who are listening who don't know all all that information about you. Of course, I know all that information because you teach at the same middle school where my kids go. Um, yeah. And you were my son's uh, seventh grade math teacher. So I think that's a, nope. that's a really cool connection uh, beyond the College of Education. So I, when I saw his last name, I was like, Hmm. Right. <laughs> I was like, I've seen that last day before. <laughs> and then yeah. I realized it was he was your son. So that was yeah. really cool. Yeah, that's Such awesome. Cool we we may be the only Alexanders, but I'm not sure. There may be other Alexander families uh at I've the never school. met any other ones. <laughs> well, that's good, you know. So after we're gone, then others can come in, but not until we're gone. <laughs> All right. Well, very good. Well, you know, uh, one thing uh, that I'd like to know is, uh, and I don't think I've ever asked you this before, is what led you into teaching as a career? You know, did, is this the kind of career that you saw yourself doing from very early on, you know, or did you uh, discover teaching and, and, and develop an interest in teaching later on uh, and decide to, you know, like maybe after you were already in college? I decided to go into teaching after I was in college. So, oh, okay. Yeah, so it was very late. Like it was, it was very unexpected. I think nobody expected it from me. Okay. Um, I've always been really good at math, and I love math, and I still to this day love math. 
That's why I'm a math teacher. <laughs> um, so the entirety of my student life, I thought I would be in some sort of STEM field. I thought I would be some sort of engineer or go into the medical field, maybe. Um, for a long time, I wanted to be a doctor. And then I changed to architecture and then to engineering right before I entered college. Mm-hmm. Um, and at one point, I know I said, I will never be a teacher. Like I really <laughs> was set on never being a teacher, never going into education. I just didn't see myself in that place. And then freshman year of college came around. And things completely changed for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I was enrolled in uh, an engineering program. And everything was fine. I was in math classes, science classes, everything I liked. And then I realized that it was the most boring career. <laughs> 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 I just, for me, I just didn't like it at all. Um, I And it wasn't even that I was doing bad in, in engineering. I mean, I... I think the lowest grade I got in any of my math or science courses or engineering courses that I was taking at the time was like a B. And so it wasn't, it wasn't even that it was just, I had a whole like life crisis of not knowing what I wanted to do because I realized that that's not what I wanted to do. I didn't want to be in engineering anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, And at the time, one of my uh, friends, she was also changing her career and she went into teaching that's something she had wanted to do for years. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know what? I was at a point where I just didn't know what else to do. And I was like, you know what? Let me just try it out. You yeah. know, I've said before that I don't want to do it, but I just, I'm just going to give it a go and see what happens. And that's when I started uh, with my courses in the College of Ed. Mm-hmm. And I absolutely fell in love with the teaching. I think it's yeah. so overlooked. It's overlooked so much yeah. by yeah. so many people. I It's just such a cool career to have i think it encompasses so much of like psychology and uh even anthropology maybe like yeah. you know it has to do with so much so many different types of things and i i feel like it was exactly what i was looking for yeah i just didn't know right. <laughs> that's, a, that's what it offered yeah because i mean around me i don't know anybody who's in education okay. i'm a first generation student in my family okay i was a student in my family so I didn't have any sort of reference for going into this career. Right. But yeah, it was, it was very unexpected. And then when I told my family, they were like, what? <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> because they knew I was not interested in it. But yeah, yeah I found passion for it. Well, that's awesome. Yeah, probably somewhere along the way, you took this class in a big lecture hall yes. from this crazy person who would get up there in front of all these people and, you know, rant and rave about education and... Yeah. And I, I do have to say, I, I feel like part of the reason I fell in love with education is because of the professors I had at TCU and the College of Ed, including you. Yeah, well, thank um, you. <laughs> you guys, and I tell this to everybody, you guys are the best teachers I've had my entire life because yeah. you all are such, you know, you, you've been in this field for so long and you just, you're just pros at it. And so seeing actual pros yeah. <laughs> and doing what they love is so inspiring. And so I feel like that really contributed to a lot of, 
you know, my decision in staying in this career. Right. No, absolutely. Well, thank you. And I definitely, I agree with, uh, with that, that belief when it comes to the, the professors I had when I was deciding whether or not to do this, this profession. Uh, I had some really good, not just professors, but just teachers and good people. And I think that was yeah. a, a great selling point. Well, that is really awesome. And so, um, uh, I know that it's probably, you know, it's been a few years ago, but I was interested, you know, to hear the story just about how you uh, found out about this position at the school where you're teaching right now, you know, the process of interviewing for that job and just kind of, um, you know, that whole timeline of how things played out when you were uh, graduating, looking for a new teaching job, uh, how you made contact with the, the school that you ended up working with and, and all of that. Just tell us that that story. So I ended up working at the school that I student taught at oh, during okay. my final year in um, uh, college. Okay. So the teacher that I worked with um, during that time, she became sort of a mentor for me and she's been a mentor since then. Mm-hmm. Um, we kind of kept in touch and she knew that I was doing the master's program. So she was like, if anything happens, I'll let you know, like if any positions open up. And so we just kind of kept in touch throughout the year that I was doing my master's degree. And just, it just so happened that right when I was about to graduate, a position opened up at the school and she was like, send me your resume, (laughs) send me all your stuff. I'll, I'll give it to the principal. And, you know, I already knew the principal. I knew so many people here already because Mm -hmm. I had thought here. So it was a very easy process. I, um, set up an interview date with the principal and it was very quick. She was like, you're in. Oh, that's awesome. (laughs) And we just had a conversation. I mean, it wasn't even like a formal interview. It was just more of a conversation that we had. And she was like, you're good for it. And it yeah. was just like basically a week after I graduated with my master's, I had a job. Oh, wow. So it, it, just, it just played out really, really well. I got really lucky. Yeah, that's and that makes the <laughs> summer a lot more enjoyable when yes. you kind of know you already have the job and you can take some time mm-hmm. to enjoy the summer and you have lots of time to, to prepare for what's coming the next year because you already know exactly. what what you're going to be doing. Yeah, I got I got to come to the school on the last day of school and just kind of talk to the teachers that were already here. Oh, that's great. In my new classroom. I mean, I know that not a lot of people get to do that. So, yeah, like I said, I'm very lucky. Yeah, that was uh, very different than my story. Even though I got my job early on, I moved out of state to start my first teaching job. And I showed up uh, a week before the first day of classes to do everything. Like no set up my way. classroom, <laughs> even like learn how to get to uh, my school from where I where I was living. Like I didn't even know how to get it's from my not. apartment to my school. So yeah, you had a much a much better uh, uh, entry, I guess, entrance into your yes. your your teaching job. And I will say on top of that, I went to school in Forward ISD. Like my entire student life was in Forward ISD. So I'm very familiar with the area and everything. And so it just, I don't know, everything just kind of worked out for me. Yeah. You know, I was was familiar with the technology that's used in this district. I was familiar with everything like that. Yeah. Even like the student portal because I used it as a student. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. Which I check a lot. In fact, I checked it today. (laughs) Yeah, that's really great. And, you know, you said that the, the the interview wasn't very formal, but the truth is if you did your student teaching there, 
you know, you may, whether you knew it or not, you may have been in the, you know, the panopticon or whatever they, you know, you were being interviewed all semester and just didn't know it. And yeah, that's very true. (laughs) And obviously you did a really good job because, um, in that situation, if they see your name and and know immediately that you'd be a great fit, then you must've done really good in your student teaching as well. So that's great. Um, and so, you know, we're, here we are now kind of in the timeline. You you got your first teaching job. You know, you just graduated. You know what you're going to be teaching. And so kind of in that those weeks and months leading up to when school was going to start, you know, what were you feeling at that point? Did you um, – were you starting to, like, envision what your classroom was going to look like? Were you able to get into your classroom and start setting things up? What was the, what were those weeks and months like uh, as you anticipated that, that first uh, day of school starting? So I was definitely nervous. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I knew the school and I knew the people, but it's still, I feel like there's nothing that can prepare you for, you know, the first day of school of, you know, it's just fresh. Like everybody's new and, you know, they expect some students expect something from you and you expect something from students. So it's mm-hmm. that anticipation of just getting to that day, I think makes you very nervous. Oh, yeah. Um, but I definitely had a lot of help from the teachers that are already here. Like I said, I knew a lot of them. And so I knew a lot of the math department, especially because I worked with them um, when I was student teaching here. Mm-hmm. So in the months leading to the first day of school, we actually met during the summer one day oh. to just kind of plan out lessons. Like they just kind of, you know, sat with me and they were like, OK, this is what you're going to. These are your the standards that you need to cover. Um, here are some ideas of what you can do. And it was just so helpful to have them around me <laughs> yeah. because it kind of, you know, made me a little bit less nervous. I still definitely was nervous, but a little bit less than that um, after meeting with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and just so that anybody listening understands why I was so nervous, I had, I started off with three preps. So I was uh, already on my very first year, I taught sixth, seventh and eighth grade. Usually, that's not very common. You no. Usually, one grade. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I was like, I, I, I felt overwhelmed a little bit, but like I said, with the help of all these different teachers and colleagues, they just made it a lot easier. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and they definitely understand. I feel like to me, it didn't set in the fact that I had three preps until closer to the first day of school. I think during mm-hmm. the summer when I first got hired, it didn't quite register in my brain like hey you need to get it together yeah <laughs> this is gonna be tough oh that's but yeah, yeah they kind of helped me out oh that's great and I think I do remember at one point when maybe seeing you in the hallway and talking with you and you saying you're teaching sixth seventh and eighth I said something yeah. to my wife about like wow that is a lot of preps for a first year teacher but yeah but you 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 did it you handled it and uh you survived it I guess you know but <laughs> Yeah, that that is a lot. Um, so you know, now tell us a little bit. Now that you're you've kind of gotten past those meetings with your your team, you've got some at least some lessons um, thought through a little bit, um, and you probably kind of have an idea what you're going to do the first few days of school. So what was it like those first few days of school when you know? you finally have like real students coming in to your classroom and you know, you're the teacher. What was that Mm -hmm. like? It's very, 
I feel like it's very easy to feel overwhelmed <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> during those few days, but it's also very exciting um, because I feel like you you envision your classroom for so long, especially after you get hired, because you have an idea of where you're going to be. Um, mm. But once you see the students, you're like, okay, this is this is what we're working with, and we're gonna work together throughout the year. Um, there was definitely um, I feel like. I definitely didn't have any time to relax. <laughs> ah. <laughs> I feel like I started strong from day one. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you, I felt overwhelmed during the first few weeks. And there was a point where I can't remember one of the teachers I work with kind of I sent a sent a message, like a little um, picture of something like a screenshot mm-hmm. that said something like even teachers, even veteran teachers get stressed out or something like that. It's something along those lines. And yeah. I was like, I needed to hear that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was, when I got the text, it was like 5.30 in the afternoon because middle school ends at 4.30. And I was making copies in the copy room trying to prepare for the next day. And I was yeah. just so stressed out. I was like, oh my gosh, I have so much to do. So yep. yeah, it, it's, I don't know. It just helps having so many people around you that are supportive. Oh yeah. But yeah, I feel like seeing the students help me kind of understand like, okay, this is what I'm doing and this is why I'm doing it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just like a physical representation of what you're doing. And so it was exciting, but it was also very overwhelming. And yeah. also I have that I was teaching three preps. So, you know, it's not the right, the usual situation. Yeah. Well, and having to switch gears from, you know, having sixth graders in one class and then maybe going to eighth grade or seventh grade. And, yep. you know, so they're not only different preps, but it's, they're different, you know, developmentally, they're a lot different, mm-hmm. you know, even though there's oh, not yeah. that long, that big of an age span between sixth and eighth graders. I mean, they're very different. Yeah. There's such a difference. I feel like sixth graders are still very little. Oh yeah. <laughs> they still depend on you a lot, especially at the very beginning of the year. They're, you know, they, they feel like they can't do anything by their, themselves because they're so used to having a very, very structured classroom where mm-hmm. you know the teacher is the main adult in the room and obviously you're always the adult in the room but I feel like with eighth grade it gets a little bit more relaxed they yeah. understand they're they're more independent and so they understand that they can do things on their own mm-hmm. and they don't need a, an adult with them the entire time yeah. so yeah, I I told uh, my mentor teacher this but I was I felt overwhelmed about having three preps, but at the same time, I felt grateful for having three preps because mm. I was able to see everything at once. And so that helped me not only in seeing the developmental stages of the kids in middle school and mm-hmm. where they're going and where they're at. Yeah. But also in terms of math concepts, like how does the math curriculum link throughout the three years and how does it look in high school? Like, what can I do to prepare my sixth graders so that when they get to, you know, the end of eighth grade, they're successful. Right. And so I felt like I was put in a really tough position, but at the same time, I learned so much from it. Yeah. So definitely grateful for that. (laughs) Yeah, no, yeah, that's, you know, that's a really interesting uh, way of looking at that situation you were in that you got to see like a microcosm of how what you're teaching in sixth grade impacts what they need to know in seventh grade and what they need to know in eighth grade. And I think that's really, that's really important, you know, because I think if a teacher doesn't have that perspective, they might be, you know, they might have a tendency to 
you know, not teach something very like not teach mm-hmm. it very well or very thoroughly. Yeah, like they're never going to use this again. Yeah, yeah, like know? yeah, what's the big deal? Like yeah, this yeah. this isn't my favorite part of the curriculum, so I'm not mm-hmm. going to really worry about it too much. Uh, without thinking about, you know, how that that gap in their learning may impact them in one or two or or more years. Exactly. Yeah, that's really cool. Uh-huh. Um and so you know, you kind of mentioned this already, but did you ever have uh, kind of like that moment where you realized uh, with your students, like the honeymoon's over, like you had kind of had this, this grace period at the beginning where you were, everyone was getting to know each other. You're going over like, you know, procedures, where to put mm-hmm. things. This is how you organize your, your math, your math notebook, your binder. And then suddenly it like clicks. It's like, okay, the honeymoon's over and I've got to like actually get into the business of teaching. Did you yeah. ever have uh, kind of that moment in the first couple of weeks of, of, of school? I feel like it happened during the first week. Um, <laughs> I ha- I feel like I had one or two days where it was the honeymoon period. And then yeah. it was like, okay, this is real. We got to get started now. Right. Um, and so I feel like I had mentally been preparing myself for that moment throughout the summer. Because like I said, I knew what I was going to teach from since the moment I graduated, basically, from mm-hmm. CCU with my master's. So um, I had already planned out lessons during the summer as well. And so I feel like it didn't hit me as hard during the first few day- days because I had that plan. Mm-hmm. But then after that, that's when it really <laughs> started getting hectic. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, when, when you have to grade a stack of papers. <laughs> uh, right. And all different grade levels, and you have to sit down and make three different types of lesson plans for your entire, you know, your entire student group. Yes. Um, that's when I think the real, the realness happens. Yes. <laughs> um, so that's when I started feeling overwhelmed. And I feel like, you know, it gets overwhelming as well, because you're not only dealing with the planning and the grading, you're also dealing with the behavior and the making sure you're keeping track of who's doing what, and if anybody's growing, then how much are they growing? Pairing contact, all these different things. Yeah. And so I I definitely learned a lot about balance, I feel like, in the first year. Oh, I'm sure. I think that's the main thing I took out of my first year, balance. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) How to manage everything. Yeah, and you've mentioned a couple of times just feeling overwhelmed, and I think that's really common with with, Mm -hmm. – especially first year teachers, but even, you know, teachers, you know, such as myself who've been doing this a very long time, I still sometimes feel overwhelmed. But have you ever had, did you ever have those moments where you just like stopped and you're like, what have I gotten myself into? Or you just kind of, yeah, you felt like disillusioned and, you know, and what was your kind of, what was your process for like working through those feelings? So, during my first year, one of my uh, class periods was very, they, they were very, they had a lot of behavior issues. Okay. Um, and so it was a lot of like having to deal with that, but also making sure that they were learning in my class. Mm-hmm. To me, I feel like the most important thing has always been how am I helping my students grow? Mm-hmm. And so I found it very frustrating that I couldn't help them grow, or I, at least I didn't see it that way. Right. I was in that moment and it was my first year. And so I was finding that balance. Um, And so I feel like during that year, it was very difficult with finding balance and making sure that my students were growing. 
Um, and so I definitely had thoughts of like, what did I get myself into? Is this for me? <laughs> Am I like even good for this? Right. <laughs> um, but I will tell you what kept me going was always the students that would tell me stuff like, hey, this is great. Or, you know, I really enjoyed that mm. class or you're a good teacher. And, you know, just the, the reassuring statements for my students, I think. Yeah. And that I think that's never going to go away. I feel like there's always going to be at least one student who's going to make you feel good yeah. <laughs> about yeah. what you're doing. Yeah. And not only that, but also my colleagues around me. I mean, I was like, well, I'm having these issues. And they were like, that's totally normal. Like you're, you're doing okay. We see you and we, we see you every time we have meetings and we talk about what you're doing and you're doing well. Mm -hmm. So you don't need to worry. And so I feel like that support really helped me kind of stay, you know, stay calm when I was, (laughs) when I I was having those thoughts of like, what am I doing? Yeah, exactly. I'm just going to keep um, driving. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to keep going and yeah. see where it takes me. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I definitely still, I feel like last year, I feel like I had a two first years. Yeah. <laughs> I had my normal first year in 2019 and then I had the pandemic year. <laughs> oh, yeah. That all teachers can tell you about. I mean, oh, last yeah. year we started school in September. We started school late. Mm-hmm. And by November, I was burnt out. I oh, mean, it wow. was like months and I was making videos for my students every single day and I taught sixth and seventh grade last year okay I was making two different videos for every day for my students I was making lessons from scratch because they had to be virtual friendly Mm -hmm. Um, and then of course I had to balance like virtual and in-person classes during the day Um, so I found like I just didn't have any time for anything oh yeah Um, you know sleep what is that (laughs) Uh, so I I I definitely felt that overwhelming feeling again last year Mm -hmm. but this year I this is my third year teaching and I feel like I finally found a good balance of everything Mm. and I'm this year I'm teaching three preps again (laughs) oh gosh so I'm back to three preps but I feel so much better than I felt last year and the year before that I feel like you just kind of have to get through it right and eventually it clears out and everything's good yeah um obviously there's always going to be some challenges and obstacles but uh there's it's definitely so much better after you get through that you just kind of have to push through and I I feel like that taught me a lot um, especially yeah. last year, even mm-hmm. more than the first year. I feel like last year I learned so much about pushing myself to be a better teacher and pushing my students to be better students no matter what. Yeah. Because last year we had to go through so many obstacles and I was just like, we're going to push through. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to keep going. <laughs> yep. <laughs> we're going to make it through. Yeah, well, that's – and it's. I think it's great that you have – such supportive colleagues, you know, and whether it's them sending you some funny meme or encouraging you in your staff meetings, I think that's, that's really great because, you know, I remember in my very first year, you know, there's, there's different kinds of feeling alone, like living alone in your own apartment. Like I was, that's one thing, but also like the worst is when you feel like you're the only person struggling like you look around and like everybody else has this figured out and I'm the only one. Uh, And so when you get that support and they, you know, tell you that you're doing a good job or tell you that, you know, Hey, what, you know what, I've been doing this 20 years and I still get stressed out. 
that really, mm-hmm. I think, helps with those those emotions to push mm-hmm. through that time, those times when you're thinking, you know what, I'm just going to get in my car after work and just drive as far as I can. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I totally feel that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we've um, all we've all felt that sometimes. <laughs> yep. So, um, you know, and you you mentioned this already a little bit about you know what you you know your kind of your goals as a teacher, but you know I by this time, you know, you've been teaching three years and that means you've interacted with a lot of different students. Mm -hmm. You've uh, seen a lot of different uh, things as a teacher, both probably in terms of behavior, um, Mm -hmm. student learning, where they're coming from, what they, the kind of support they get at home, you know, just about everything, you know, and so a lot of students, some students do really well in school. They like school. Some students, don't do very well. And it either could be just because they have challenges or maybe they just don't like school, you know? Mm -hmm. So when you think of all those things, you know, how do you measure your success as a teacher? Um, I feel like a lot goes into measuring my own success, at least the way I think about it. Um, I feel like there's different factors to it. There's definitely the, you know, the more quantitative side to it of like scores and Mm -hmm. um you know growth levels and stuff like that that i see every every single year Mm -hmm. um i mean we have whole meetings that are just about data gosh (laughs) yeah i i mean honestly i don't mind it because i'm more of like an analytical kind of person i love math i love seeing numbers it's the engineer in you that will never change (laughs) yeah (laughs) that maybe one day yeah yeah um uh, so, yeah, we have whole meetings about this. And honestly, sometimes it can be good. You know, you can see some real numbers and see how, you know, students are growing. Mm-hmm. But sometimes that can also kind of make you feel like you're not succeeding. Uh. Um, but it's definitely not the whole picture. And it's mm-hmm. it's just a very small percentage of how I measure my own success. Um, I think the main thing the main factor that I use to measure my success is what my students have to say about my class Mm. and about my own teaching like for example today uh I had an eighth grade student go by and she's not my student anymore because she's in algebra one now but Mm -hmm. um I had her for two years because I had her for sixth and seventh since I teach sixth and seventh grade honors math Mm um and she was like, hi, Mrs. Pino, good morning. And I was like, oh, good morning. And she just keeps walking with her friend. And she's like, I loved her class. Oh. <laughs> and they were just like talking about my class. And I overheard certain things. And she was like, it was just very easy to understand. And that's the kind of stuff that I love hearing and the kind of stuff that keeps me going. Yeah. Um, last year, we have to do writing samples every year for every core class. Mm-hmm. And so... Last year, the prompt that I gave my students for the writing sample samples was uh, write about your math biography, autobiography or something mm-hmm. like that along those lines. And they basically just had to tell me about their whole math journey um, from, you know, kindergarten to whatever they remember mm-hmm. until now. And I, I've kept those samples because when I, I didn't expect anything from them it was just a writing sample it was just an assignment that I gave mm-hmm. and so many of them said stuff like I used to hate math I wasn't good at math I didn't think I could ever be good at math stuff like that and just to see their progress I would have never guessed that they weren't good at math or that they didn't like math um, yeah. because honestly like one specific student surprised me 
she said that she had struggled with math her entire life and she had tutors and everything and last year was the first year she felt like she was good at it mm. and that honestly that even made me get a little teary-eyed yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because it's it's that kind of you know those kinds of uh statements that kind of make you feel good about what you're doing you're like this is why i'm teaching this is why i'm doing what i'm doing right um and so you know one of the things i really wanted to do coming into this profession was I want to make students feel comfortable learning. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of them come into school thinking that they're not good enough or that they're not smart enough. And every single one of them is good enough. Mm -hmm. um, so to see that change and to see that progress and that growth is so inspiring. And it makes me want to be a better teacher. Yeah. So that's really awesome. And, you know, I can just tell you, you know, from the other side of the of the equation, having one of your students in my in living in my house, you yeah. know, he 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 would say things like that as well, you know, oh. because he he's always, you know, that particular kid. I don't like can always talk about my kids on the podcast, but he yeah. never has loved math. You know, he he mm. loves other things. But, you know, he, his grades were really good. And we were like, you know, you're doing great. And he would say, well, it's because I have a good teacher. And, she, and I'm, I'm really able to understand it. So, you know, I think that's really, uh, yeah. I think that's important for all teachers to always kind of self-reflect, you know, and think, you know, mm -hmm. is, uh, what, are, what are we doing not only to help our students be successful, but to pass kind of pass along that passion that we have for learning that interest in learning where they actually like being in school and yeah. and like what they're doing and I think it sounds like you're really you think about that a lot you know how can I make them not just do well on on tests and get the scores that are that are showing improvement but how do they how can I help them like being here and like being together and like doing the work that we're doing absolutely and I feel like I don't know. I've always loved learning. I've, I, if I could, I've said this before, if I could have one profession for the rest of my life, it would be to be a student. Mm -hmm. But I feel like we're already students, all oh, of yeah. us. And so it's just finding that passion for learning and, you know, wanting to learn more. So I feel like because I have that passion for learning, I kind of want to give that to my students as well. Mm -hmm. And so that's my main priority, really. Yeah, that's awesome. You know, but be careful with that love of learning because you might do something crazy like go get a PhD, right? Oh, I will. <laughs> one know, day I will. So, I'll, you know, we'll have part two That's of the interview. Of yeah, where yeah. it's Dr. Espino. Yeah, and yes. so I'll, I'll be first in line to interview you when you're Dr. Espino. <laughs> Please. Uh, no, that's awesome. You know, and I'm kidding about, you know, it, it really is a fun journey uh, going yeah. to that next level of education. But it's, you know, um, it's definitely a challenge, but definitely, mm -hmm. but also worth it. So that's really cool. Um, you know, so I definitely I want to be respectful of your time. And uh, I kind of uh, want to just keep, ask one more question. And that is, you know, if you could give one piece of advice to a young teacher or maybe even like somebody who's in my class right now who's mm -hmm. considering a career in education. Um, what would that piece of advice be? Oh, man. Um, I think it's very healthy to expect to work very hard in this profession. Like I said earlier, I feel like it's overlooked a lot of a lot of the time or some people see it as kind of like what they can do when they retire. Mm -hmm. from their jobs right now 
And it, it's not that. I mean, it's like any other career. You have to put in the work if you want to see results, you know? Yeah. So definitely go into it with the mindset of, I, if I want to do well, I need to work hard. Um, also, I feel like if you put the priority of education is important for my students and my students come first, mm -hmm. that is always very helpful because sometimes you lose that. You know, you start seeing these scores and you're like, how do I get there? Yeah. <laughs> and so the scores become your top priority and not your students. So mm -hmm. the students are main priority. Um, and definitely the last thing I'll say is, you know, don't overwork yourself because hmm. it's very easy to lose yourself in the work yeah. um, teaching because you have to give so much of yourself. I mean, you know, so many people depend on you. So many students, so many colleagues, uh, you know, the whole entire school wants to see good scores and all this. But at the end of the day, you come first mm -hmm. and you can only control so much. Yeah. Um, you know, even the best teachers have at least one student who's not the best student. Right. <laughs> and it, it it's not the student's fault either. I mean, it can be the circumstance, you know, a life situation they're going through and you just can't control that. So I think you can go into this profession thinking that you can work hard, definitely, and you're mm -hmm. going to see the results if you work hard, but also know when to step back and relax and mm. take a day off if you need it. Yeah. Um, last year taught me, like I said, a lot. And because I felt so burnt out so early on in the year, I finally one day after Thanksgiving break, I was like, I'm, I just came back from a break. Why do I feel this tired? I took a day off and that helped me so much. <laughs> it was just one day, but it, it really helped because it kind of takes away that stress for one day and then you just come back fresh. Yeah. You know, so those are my top tips. <laughs> yeah. Well, they're, they're <laughs> very, <laughs> very, very good, uh, very good uh, tips to give a, an early career teacher or someone who's thinking about it. Yeah. And that's great. And I think it's great to hear that, you know, you can take time off and and you're at a place where you don't feel like guilty about it. You know, like yeah. you, you actually know that you're doing the right thing. So that's that was good. hard to get over because you do feel guilty. You're like, but what if, if I'm not there, then what are my students going to do? Oh, I know. You know? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, I know. It's there's it's hard to get over that that hump sometimes of feeling like you always yeah. have to be doing something. Like every mm -hmm. minute of the day is something you could be doing. And sometimes the the best thing you can do is just to step away from it, you know, whether it's leave mm -hmm. town or go to a movie mm -hmm. and dinner with friends, but just to get away from from work and and yes. and yeah, that's great. Well, Ilse, it has been uh, so much fun talking to you and hearing your teaching story and hearing about how you're doing uh, now that you're in your third year of teaching. Um, I see you at the school, pass you in the halls, but it's just been great to get a, like a really in-depth update on on everything mm -hmm. about Ilse Espino, the teacher. <laughs> and so I really appreciate you taking the time to talk with me. Well, thank you so much for inviting me. It's definitely a pleasure to talk to you too. You know, like oh, you said, we see each other every once in a while, but we never really sit down and just have a conversation. No, absolutely. Well, because usually I'm the person who's like sprinting to pick up my kids so I can <laughs> yeah. sprint them to the next thing they have to do. <laughs> Which, you know, <laughs> you know, the funny thing is, as soon as I hit stop on this, on this interview, I have to pack up my stuff 
And I'm actually driving to where you are right now to pick up my kids oh, from track practice. <laughs> Maybe I'll see you here. You'll, so yeah, if you see a white truck speeding down Clover, you'll know it's me. <laughs> All right. Well, take care. It's so great to talk to you. Nice to talk to you too. <laughs> Bye. All right. Bye. <laughs>